Good morning. Isn't it nice to know that Paul is normal? He misses his friends just like we do. It has been wondered if this little passage we've read today is actually the beginning of Paul closing a letter. And then the following two chapters are almost like, oh, I forgot to say. Well, that's as may be. But I do think that these few verses that we've skipped over last week give us a real insight into the man himself. Not the highly intelligent theologian or the passionate missionary, but the other Paul, the one who eats and drinks, who laughs and cries, the one who finds himself in all sorts of tricky situations, the one who trusts in his Lord. The first five verses tell us about Paul's relationship with Timothy. He was one of his closest co-workers, even though they were so very different in age. It seems that their relationship was like one of close mentoring, perhaps even that of a father with his son. Now Timothy can be very unsure of himself and somewhat nervous at times, but Paul nevertheless has complete confidence in him as a man of God who shows deep concern for his church. Paul has travelled with many men of note, Barnabas, John Mark, Titus, but Timothy stands out for him like a rare jewel. And Paul describes him as having a kindred spirit. They are like-minded in things, especially the gospel. Paul knows that Timothy is, verse 20, genuinely concerned for the Philippians' welfare. His concern is authentic, as is Paul's, and they want to support this fledgling church together. As we've said before, it is clearly very dear to Paul's heart, and therefore to Timothy's too. Paul notes that not everyone else is like this. He knows those who are too busy looking out for their own interests. They portray the exact opposite of the humility that Timothy shows. Timothy has that lowly kind of spirit that allows him to be genuinely concerned for others. I wonder if this shows us the indispensable importance of being humble, having the kind of humility that we read of in chapter 2, verses 3 and 4. In humility, value others above yourselves not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. We could say that Timothy had a big heart. Have you? Have I? Let's ask God to enlarge our heart for others, to be more like Timothy. We could even ask for some more grace to help us care more about others' welfare than our own comfort or reputation. The next six verses we read today tell us about another man, Epaphroditus. He'd have trouble fitting that name in some of the boxes on forms we have to fill our names in today, wouldn't he? This is the only place we hear about him in the New Testament. His name comes from Aphrodite, the Greek goddess of love, and suggests to us that he was probably a convert from paganism who now worshipped in the Philippian church. They obviously thought really highly of him as they gave him such an important task They asked him to act on their behalf in taking gifts to Paul and then remaining with him to serve him in all the ways they couldn't whilst he was in prison. During his secondment on the Philippians' behalf, however, Epaphroditus falls ill. He almost dies. But after much prayer he recovers and Paul is able to share with the Philippians in this letter that he intends to send him back to them. But if you look carefully at what Paul writes you can see that he's actually trying to preempt any difficulties that Epaphroditus might encounter on his return. You can imagine the gossip, can't you? Well, we sent him to help and he just became a nuisance. I wonder if he was really sick. 
probably just homesick and scared. I knew we should have sent someone else. I'm really struck by the depth of Paul's concern for his friend, but also the wisdom he has in recognising that such thoughts might even be being thought. Paul doesn't want any clouds of ill feeling to spoil his friend's homecoming. He's keen for some great welcome home posters to be hung high. For Paul, if Paphroditus is like a brother, verse 25, but also a co-worker and a fellow soldier and a messenger. Paul is very clear that Epaphroditus is a genuine believer in the Lord Jesus. But that is not it. It's just the start. He also sees him as a sacrificial soldier. Epaphroditus is heavily engaged in the service of of the gospel. It's what gets him out of bed in the morning, although perhaps not when he was ill. He works shoulder to shoulder with Paul on this. He knows he must serve others. That is what God has made him for. As we consider our lives, how can we be more like him? How are we using our lives with others for the gospel? Whilst Paul is imprisoned, he he suffers some tough stuff for God. There is a real spiritual battle going on and Epaphroditus is called into this battle too. And the same is still true for us. The more we serve God, the more there will be spiritual warfare. But we remember, we have God on our side. Paul described Epaphroditus as your messenger. He was sent by the Philippian church to serve Paul. The Greek for messenger is apostolos, the word also translated apostle, one who is sent on an official mission, we might say. His mission was to bring encouragement to Paul as well as gifts. Every one of us is sent by God with words of encouragement to those in need of his love, care and forgiveness. Wherever God sends us, across the seas, down to the shops, even to our garden gate, we take with us the message of the gospel to share. Remember right at the beginning of the lockdown, we were talking about how we were going to share the stories of how God was helping us through that time with our friends and neighbours. How did that go? Are you still doing it? Neither Epaphroditus nor you nor I are apostles like the ones commissioned by Jesus himself were, but in the way Epaphroditus was, so are we. Paul then talks about Epaphroditus' humility. Just like Timothy, he too is concerned for the welfare of others. Just reread verse 26. He's genuinely concerned for them that they discovered he was sick rather than sinking in self-pity. He doesn't want to be a burden to them. This is surely born out of his love for his church family. His ministry with them wasn't just one of doing stuff with his hands, so to speak, but it was also an affair of the heart, we could say. But God spares his life. We read this little telling phrase, Paul says, God had mercy on him, but also on me. Here again we see the real Paul. The human connection between these two men shows us how Paul was not really as Stephen J. Lawson puts it, the mechanical, doctrine-fixated robot we think, but a man with really deep affection for those with whom he served and to those to whom he preached. Have a look at what Romans 9, 1-4 says about that. As some of us are able to gather again for worship this week, albeit differently to the past, this simple passage today is something of a challenge. It tells the tale of two humble men following their Lord and, as he did, putting others before themselves. 
They are, it seems to me, great role models for us in these hard times. It is very difficult to enable everyone to be together with the current rules and guidelines, but that does not stop us having real concern for one another. And to that end, all the materials for services will continue to be sent out by post and email. Phone calls will still be made. I believe that this experience has and continues to bring us closer to each other, but also more outward-looking in our parish and beyond. But might there be more to learn? What would it look like for all our lives to be given to God in humility, in a manner worthy of all the commendations given by Paul to Timothy and Epaphroditus? Can we adopt their approaches in our everyday lives? How can we be part of God's story here and now as he grows his kingdom, even with a pandemic in the world? Something for us all to ponder over the coming days. What is God saying to you? Amen.